Hey, Matthew chapter 3 is where we're going to be. So if you've got a Bible, head on over to Matthew chapter 3. Or you can go to the Charles River Church app if you want to get that. And we have a Bible on there for you. And we've got Bibles strategically placed around the room for you. And you can bring one home if you don't have one uh, back at home. Uh, Matthew chapter 3. And while you're turning there, let me just acknowledge, I don't know if I've shared this with you in a while, but I just want to acknowledge that the Bible is an absolutely incredible book. Love this book. And uh, if you ever want to know what any religion is all about, you go to that religion's holy book. Because if they want it to last more than a generation, they're going to write it down. And you investigate their, their writings. And what you're going to find when you investigate the Bible is it's like uh, no other holy book. It's, it's unique. It's very, very distinct. It's a collection of books, a library of books brought together. All of these books are inspired of God. God is the one who breathes these words out through a human uh, with a pen or a quill on a scroll. And it's just incredible because as you read through the Bible, it really covers just, just, just every life scenario just about that you could possibly imagine. And I just, I love this book and have been deeply impacted by this book. We want you to be impacted by this book. One of the reasons why I believe this book to be true and historically verifiable, it was written over a span of 1,500 to 2,000 years by 40 different authors who lived on three different continents, speaking three different languages. Most of these guys never met each other, and yet somehow they share one consistent unified story. It's absolutely incredible. There's dates and yet there's been no uh, discrepancies. There's been places and yet archaeology keeps confirming the places that are recorded in the Bible. There's prophecies listed, prophecies fulfilled. It's just an incredible book. And, and, and as I've, I've read it, beyond just the, the, how it's historically verifiable, as I read it, it just, it just makes sense. It just works in life. You know, it just makes sense for our, our crazy world that we live in. And, and that's because it's true. And so as we open the Bible this morning, I want us just to start and just sit in the weight of the fact that we've got a book like no other in our hand. It is not uh, just, just a book. It's not just a collection of books. It's living and active. And it, it does its work in our hearts whenever we read it. And so what we're going to do today is we're going to finish out our identity series. And we opened this series up five weeks ago back in... James chapter 1. And we saw that it speaks about this amazing book as if it were like a a mirror. It's the place that we should look to reflect back to us who we are, who we have been designed to, to be, and then when God changes us, who we are. First, the way God created us. He made us in his image and likeness. We have been given the breath of God. He formed us with his own hands. And so because of that, we have what we call the Imago Dei. We are, are, are unique and, and, and distinct and, and special. And then we see, secondly, that, that we break that. We, we sin and we destroy this beautiful image. Kevin said it's kind of like taking a rock and smashing a mirror, and we've turned from him, but God, in his great grace, he chases us down, and he captures our hearts, and he changes us, and he makes us new, and he gives us a new identity. And so for those of us who have placed faith in Jesus, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says that we are a new creation. The old is gone, and the new has come, and we are now new. We are now his. We are his children. We have been given his holiness. We have his family, and we have his mission. And we've said throughout this series that because of who you are in Jesus, things change. If you really understand who you are, or, or even better, whose you are, things 
change. And, and so the big question as we kind of wrap up this series that I want to just present to us is, is what's next? Like, what's next? So we, we've learned of our new identity in, in Jesus. Some of you have, have maybe forgotten your identity, and now you've been reminded of your identity. And, and, and now what do we do next? And that's a massively important question. Whenever God does something in your life, when he, he really stirs you, he moves you, the, the what's next is really important. And your next move really is going to be huge here. And so I just want to give you, if you're taking notes this morning, let me just give you two next steps, two next moves. It's not often that I give them to you right out of the gate, but let me do this for you. Two next moves. The first one is to look inward, and the second one is to look outward. Look inward and look outward. One of the most significant days of my teenage life was the day that I got my driver's license. Anybody remember that? It was a big day. My parents are in town. They remember that. That was, a, that was a big day. And the way it worked, where I was from, you had your learner's permit at 15. And then when you turned 16, that day you turned 16, you could get your driver's license. And so I turned 16, and on that very day, my dad and I went down to the local library, and I took that test. And so I remember hopping in the, uh, the, the, the vehicle with the 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 person performing the test, and she was kind of intimidating, i got to be honest, and, and uh, we were driving my, my parents' big minivan, extended minivan, mind you, and so I remember getting in the minivan and, and kind of feeling the, the pressure here and, and put my hands on uh, 10 and 2, buckle up, check the mirrors, check them again, <laughs> turn the car on, put the car in reverse, and drive out of the library and kind of up this hill, and I remember the lady said, okay, go down here, and I want you to go down to the, fire, uh, the, the Firestone tire store, and then you're going to turn around and come back to the library. That's it. Okay, I can do that. So I remember putting my blinker on and looking left and looking right and looking left and looking right and looking left just one more time just to be safe, and then slowly creeping out, going down to the tire store blinker, turn around, come back, down, and I, I was there. I was feeling really good, and then she said, oh, one more thing. See those two cones over there? Time to parallel park. Dun, dun, dun. And so I remember, I remember going past the first cone and then backing in. Parents extended minivan, mind you, and I landed it. I nailed it and stuck the landing and was super proud of myself. Felt really good. But then she said nothing. She said, okay, come with me. Going inside. We go inside and we get to the counter. And she asked me all this information. Clickety, click, click, click. She's typing it all in. And I'm just standing there. It felt like an hour. And she's plugging all this information in. And then uh, she said, okay, you passed. And so I was so thrilled. And then she said, stand over here. Stood over here. And she said, look at the camera. I looked at the camera. One, two, three, snap. I was blinded, got the photo. I didn't care. I was ready. And then I turn around, and, and she goes back to this machine, and she plugs in some stuff. It's a laminating machine. She plugs in some stuff, and then all of a sudden you hear that. And she pulls out my license. Crisp, laminated license. And I was so proud of this thing. I don't know if you remember the day that you got your license. The, the, the permit was paper, but the 16-year-old license was laminated. And I remember just holding this thing. But when I first looked at it, what shocked me was I look at my photo and I had a mullet. <laughs> and, and I look, I was like, what? And I didn't have a mullet. I did not have a mullet. I promise you, I, you can still respect me. But what it was, I think what I figured was that I was kind of looking to the side just a little bit and the way the shadow was cast, it kind of created this 
the shadow right here. And I was so, I was disappointed, but I got over it pretty quick. And, and I was just so proud of the license, you know, just staring at it. I would be at school and every now and again, I'd just pull it out and just kind of look at it and just, I was, I was proud. And then I'd go to the 15 year olds and I'd go, how you like them apples, right? And just kind of rub it in their face. And then I don't know if this works this way today, but I remember you could go to the movie theater and you could get a, a discounted ticket if you were kind of a student rate. And so you used to have to pull out your school ID, not me anymore. I could pull out my actual license and say, take a look at that right there. Give me the discounted rate, 750 instead of 950. And I was so proud of that. And uh, man, I was, it was all, well, here's what happened is, is over time, my license my identity card here just kind of lost its luster, you know what I mean? Because over time, you weren't real excited, and, and it just wasn't something that I got to a place where I was pulling out very frequently until I was 17 years old, and I was driving down this main drag in my town, and the blue lights come on, and I pull over, and what's he say? License and registration, please. And so I pull out my license, and the only time it really came out after that was for some kind of negative situation. And, and hopefully you see where I'm going with this. As we've been talking about our identity. Is, listen, maybe for, for, for those of you who are discovering your identity for the first time in Christ, or maybe you can think back to when you remember your identity uh, changed and you became a new creature. And you were born again, as the Bible says. And, and things changed and your life was changed. Maybe you think back to those days and, and it was just amazing and you just, couldn't believe what God had done for you and what God had done in you and how he had changed you and the, the, the love that he has for you and the, just his heart for you. It was amazing to you. But over time, well, that's kind of, that's elementary. And so you don't really talk about it much more. You don't think about it much more. And then maybe the time you do think about it again is when something goes wrong. Am I his? Does he still love me? Am I still a part of his family? Did he revoke this thing for me? We said, when you become a follower of Jesus, it's, it's irrevocable. It's unconditional. You get the rights and the privileges of being a child, an heir of the king. And I, I just want us to, to, just as we close up this series, not to close up this thought that we have a new identity in Jesus. And we need to think about it over and over and over again. We have to keep pulling out our identity of who we are in Jesus. Remember Andy wrote his name on Woody's shoe. Jeremiah says that, that God writes his law, his word, the mirror, his name ultimately on our hearts. So how do we keep looking at our spiritual ID? How do we keep it in, in front of us? Well, here's how. Think back to the very first week of this series. We, we keep looking at the mirror. We keep looking at God's word, at the Bible. We keep looking and it reflects back to us who we are, the change that has happened on the inside. We keep developing our, our, our soul and applying God's word to our heart and, 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 and reading it and then talking back to him in response of what he has told us. That's, that's prayer. That's developing this, this walk with God where you're, you're constantly just looking on the inward. This is who you say that I am. I don't have to remind you to look into a mirror, do I? We do it every day. 
Most of us. We do it every day. We wake up in the morning. We, we, we brush our teeth. We, we fix our hair. We do whatever we need to do. You put your makeup on. You, just, you do it every day. Even throughout the day. You, you're out and about and you, you step into a restroom and there's mirrors everywhere. And you look and you, you maybe get that thing out of your teeth or fix your hair or apply a little more lip gloss or whatever it is that, that you do. I remember I was even behind a guy downtown a few years ago. And, and we were walking along the sidewalk. And I noticed he was kind of really inconsistent with his pacing. And I was kind of doing one of these awkward dance moves behind him, trying to get around. And then I looked up, and he was, he, he, he was caught by his reflection in the, the windows. And he just kept looking at himself and kind of checking himself out. And, he was, and so we, we just, I don't have to remind you, we're constantly looking at our reflection. But, but the same thing needs to be applied with God's Word and who He says that we are. We need to constantly look at the Scriptures. And, 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 and here's how we do it. Two ways. We get... Long looks, and we get quick glances. And so here's, here's the assignment for all of us. I would say this is one, if you don't have the Bible on your phone, I think we probably, most of us have a smartphone. If you don't have a Bible on your phone, make sure to download the church app or the version, and the version will even read the Bible to you if you have trouble reading the Bible. And then develop a plan. Develop a plan, like how am I going to be consistent in pulling out my ID and, and looking at it, looking at the mirror and seeing what God says, and, and get those, those long looks. Look intently, as James chapter 1 says, into the mirror, into the law of liberty, right? It frees you when you're not looking so much at the physical appearance, and you're not looking so much at the social feed, but you're, you're looking at who God says that you are, and it, and it frees you. It's the law of liberty, the law of freedom. And so get those, those long looks at the scriptures, right? Early in the morning, developing your time with the Lord. But also, I'd give you this assignment as you download the Bible app, is to get those quick glances as well. What if we all did this this week, just this week? Maybe sets a new habit for us. Is what if, you know, you know when you're standing in line or you're waiting, and we, we don't even know how to wait any longer for anything. Amazon, thank you very much. And, and, and we don't wait for anything. But when you are waiting in line, we, it seems like it's almost instinctive to, to pull out your phone and just check something, right? You got something to check, whether an email, even though you checked it 30 minutes ago, uh, or you know you're not that popular, come on, or, or maybe it's Facebook or some kind of social, fee- and, and we just, what if, what if those quick glances that we get, what if just this week we pull out the phone and we just get a quick glance at some scripture? What if we highlight some key scriptures that we've even talked about or, or just jump back into Ephesians as we've been reading through it through this series and just get a quick glance at the scripture. I think that would really uh, set a really great pattern for all of us. Is not that you never touch that other stuff again, but that, that, that maybe you can kind of fill your time with those quick glances at the scripture, injecting truth in your life and being reminded of, of who you are. I, I, I love doing it in the morning. I'll, I'll have my time with the Lord. And then in the winter months, I've been going to the Y and running on the treadmill instead of outside. And, and everybody else is, you know, watching the news and starting their day off in kind of a depressing, depressing way. Uh, but I've been just click, clicking play on my 
my YouVersion Bible app, and it just reads the scripture to me. And I was running and, and, and just listening to scripture. I love that. And then the other day I had this moment. Uh, it was a few weeks back. I, I'm looking, and I notice on my peripheral, this guy over here is making all this motion. And I look down, and he's got an iPad set up on the treadmill. And he's got some black gospel preacher singing and, and preaching. And he's got his earphones going. And this guy was straight worshiping on the treadmill. I mean, I said, I, that, that's awesome. I mean, what if we set our, our day like that, looking at the right mirror, looking at the right, what, let's watch Jesus do this if we can. Look at, look at Matthew chapter 3, verse 17. This is the, the beginning of Jesus' ministry. This is his what's next. This is so key. He, he, he's just been baptized, and well, just check this out with me. It says, verse 17, and behold, so he's baptized, and behold, a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. So he's been baptized, and then God the Father declares over him his identity. This amazing moment when the Spirit of God descends, and, and, and Jesus is in the waters, and then the voice, and we have this picture of the Trinity right there, just powerful, and the voice of the Father says, this is my beloved what? This is my beloved Son. You are my son, as we've said through this series. You are his. You are brought into his family. You get the family business, the mission of Jesus. This is my son. But watch this. Watch what happens next. Chapter 4, verses 1 through 4. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, and he quotes scripture to him, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. I told you those what's next are really, really important. One thing I've kind of trained my mind to, to look for when I read the scripture is not just get the story and move on. But what happens in between those stories oftentimes is, is really key. Those next moves in our lives are, are really, really key. And, and, and here what has happened is, is the Father has declared over him his identity. You are my son. Next thing that happens, he's driven out to the wilderness. He's preparing his heart. He's praying. He's fasting. Satan comes. Temptation comes. And what does Satan say to him? He says, if you are the Son of God. Satan questions Jesus' identity. Now Satan has been around for a very, very, very long time. He knows what he's doing. He's crafted his art, his skill of making people fall, making people struggle, making people sin. And this is Jesus Christ. He's going to pull out his A-game. He's going to be, bring his very best moves to make Jesus fail. Because if Jesus falls into sin, when he dies on the cross, who cares? He deserved it. But if Jesus doesn't sin, he dies on the cross, undeserving of the wages of sin, which is death, and therefore taking our punishment for us. So this is big time. This is the, the biggest play in, in, in Satan's work, right? And he's trying to make Jesus, and this is what he does, and this is what he does to us. His best move is to put a question mark where God puts a period. God said, you are my son. Satan says, 
Are you his son? Like, really? You? If you are the son of God. And he will do the exact same thing to you. Some of you are trapped in just the woes of that right now. Just questioning, would God love me? God says, you are loved unconditionally. And you're feeling Satan say to you, could he really love you? Like after you've done that, you are such a repeat offender over and over and over again. He, he's going to move on to somebody. He can't use you anymore. That's what Satan does. That's his, his best move. And so do you see why it's so important to, to pull out your ID frequently and say, no, no, no. Read that right there. Child of God. Don't forget this. Don't forget this. Keep reading it. Quick glances throughout the day. And, and long stares. Quick glances. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And long stares. For Jesus, what does he do? What's his quick glance? He quotes scripture. And if you were to read, we're not going to read through the rest of you keep reading through the rest of Jesus' temptations in the wilderness. He just keeps quoting scripture back to Satan. That's a good good way to have some quick glances just memorize some key passages for the areas that you struggle with i struggle with anxiety like it's nobody's business philippians chapter 4 i'm constantly constantly quick glance be anxious for nothing everything is prayer supplication with thanksgiving let your request i mean just continuing to 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 go to the lord with that that passage that i've memorized I've, I've, i've quoted that more than any other passage in my life That's what Jesus does. No, no, no. This is what the Bible says. This is how I'm to live. This is who I am. This is it. This is it. Read it and weep, sucker. That's what he says to Satan. That's what Jesus does. Look inward, right? What is your plan for regularly looking at your ID? Looking into the mirror and saying, this is who he says that I am. This this is who I am in Christ. And I told you I'd give you one more. It's also we've got to look outward. We've got to, got to look outward. Listen, if you develop a really rich plan to, to regularly look inward and to develop your soul and, and know who you are in Christ, you go to church, you read his Bible, you're plugged in to a, a group, and maybe you even went another step further, you went into a discipleship group and went deep, and, and you're being developed, but you do nothing with it, I'm telling you, something will always seem as though it's lacking. Notice what Jesus' next move is. God declares, this is who you are. Satan says, is that who you are? And he says, no, no, this is the truth. This is what the scripture says. And then he comes out of the wilderness. Watch his next move. Matthew chapter 4, verse 17. From that time, Jesus began to preach. Saying, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. What does he do next? He's looking inward. He's having that inward struggle. And he wins it. And the next thing that he does is he looks outward. And he begins to preach. He begins to help other people repent. That means to turn from the old them and turn to who they can be in Christ, in God's plan for them. Basically, those hello, my name is stickers, new identity. I mean, he starts slapping those on people. This is who you are. 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 One of the parables that he tells when he begins to preach, and we've looked at it in our Luke series, he tells this parable about a party. 
says there's a big party and the master throws the party and, and, and he invites all these people and, and some of these people, they don't want to come to the party. And so the, the master then tells his servant, well, just go to the, the highways and the hedges and you just invite anybody and everybody. And, and, and the parable, Jesus shares it knowing that some of the people who have it all together and you might think would come to the party don't want the party. Knowing that, that the servant is ultimately going to go to the highways and the hedges and, and, and invite other people, the down and out folks, People who think God would never have a plan for them. God doesn't love them. God doesn't have a new identity for them. He would overlook them. And the servant goes and on behalf of the master starts to share. God wants you. You're invited. You're invited. You're invited. You ever felt like you're not important? You ever felt like God would overlook me? You ever feel like in your family or in your school or in that group of friends, you're like the least of them? You can know. You can know that God does not overlook you. And I think one of the most overlooked people in that parable is the servant. Because so often we look at the master, our good master invites everybody. And then we look at the down and out, and even those people are invited. But so often we overlook that servant who's doing the inviting. I have like a whole list of people. When I get to heaven, I want to meet that person. I want to talk to that. I want to ask Jesus, was that parable, was that based off of a true story? Because some of them are, some of them aren't. Did you just make that up? Or if so, can I meet the servant? I want to talk to the servant. And then ask him, what happened in your heart? When you got to tell people that they were invited to the party, you got to start slapping those labels. Come on, it's going to be a good party. There's so many people there that we got to get your name tag on. I, I would love to ask that question. Because something happens in your heart when you get to take the identity that has been given to you and you get to show other people it's for you too. I told you a few weeks ago about this kind of this gig that my wife has uh, with the, the wives of the Red Sox players doing Bible studies for them and uh, pretty cool. Uh, but I was thinking about uh, just my very first time going to Fenway back in, I think it was 2003, somebody had given me tickets. And, and do you remember your first time going to Fenway, some of you? Uh, it was just awesome, right? Just so cool. I mean, I remember coming off of the train and, and, and walking through Fenway region, neighborhood there. And, and then you turn that corner and the, the smell, right? You turn that corner and you see Yaki Way and it's closed down and the banner, Yaki Way and Welcome to Fenway and all the, the banners of everything that we've won. And, and it just, it's incredible. And the guy standing on the crate and selling bulletins and programs and and then people trying to sell you water and and greasy food and you're yes and yes and I'll take yes yes and just so amazing and then you get through the the turnstiles there and you walk in it gets really tight and you got the Berkeley kid down there playing some music uh, you know trying to make an extra buck and then you you get into the stadium and it's just it's just slammed because it's so old and so small but it's awesome just the energy and, and then you finally get to your, your entrance point for the field. And you remember this? This is the biggest, right? And then you, you walk up those stairs and then all of a sudden you oh, you see the field. And do you remember this moment? It's amazing. Just so, so incredible. And I remember with those tickets uh, that, I, that I got, I remember s- sitting down and feeling like it was such a privilege because back then you could, it was so hard to get a ticket, right? And I remember sitting down and, and I got tickets to, th- this guy had season passes, season tickets, and so he handed, so everybody around was a regular, and they all knew each other, and they're high-fiving high people over my head and, and swearing at the other team. I thought, this is 
awesome. <laughs> it was so cool. It was so cool. But then what happened is, is over the years, you know, I'd go to Fenway, and it's still fun. I still love going to Fenway, and my wife's get we get free tickets, and it's cool. I love that. But it just kind of starts to lose that, you know, it's not as amazing as the first time. You know what I mean? It's just not as exciting. It's exciting, but not as exciting. But then, then things changed. We had kids. I remember a few years back, some guy from Atlanta, Georgia, finds me on Facebook. He says, hey, I used to, I used to live in Boston, and I moved to Atlanta for work, and, and you know, I go back up every year, and I buy two days' worth of tickets for, for me and my buddies, and we all go out to the game, but I got really sick. I can't go. It's like two days before. Would you want to take, yes, I'll take those tickets, and I took them, and, and, and so Saturday night, I bring uh, my youngest son, Luca, and, and Sunday afternoon, I bring my, my oldest son, Isaiah, and their first game at Fenway, and I'm telling you, I remember getting off the train and, and holding Luca's hand and, and walking down the street there and then turning the corner and, and looking at him, right? Like, this is, buddy, this is awesome. And his eyes, he's, and then smell, and anything he wanted, he, it was his. You want, you want some greasy food? Take two, right? Bullet, he, he got the program, the big poppy pen, and I mean, just everything. I signed up for credit cards and got blankets and stupid fees. It was so bad. And, and then we go through the turnstile, and, and it's tight, and he's, he's nervous, but still it was kind of that awesome nervous. You, know, you could see it on his face. And then we, then we go through the, 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 the entryway there, and we're walking, trying to find our, our point to get onto the field. And, and, and then we go up onto the field, and, oh, and I look at his eyes, and he is just wide-eyed. Right? Like, it's awesome, right, buddy? And, and, and guess what? The, the thing that kind of grew old for me, it was like commonplace, was amazing all over again. Because I got to live it out through somebody else. Listen, we've got to look inward regularly. Remind ourselves of who we are in Christ. But we can't stop there. That's when your faith gets really stagnant is when you say, yeah, thank you, that's awesome, and you just leave it at that. What if we take the posture of the servant, who now gets to bring other people, and then suddenly, right? It's, isn't it? Is it? Yeah, it's great. He's amazing. He did that. He can do it in you. He loves you unconditionally. He's given you a new life. He's given you a new purpose. He, he's, he's amazing. And, and you get to experience it again and again and again. And that's how our faith comes alive. And that's exactly how Jesus designed it, right? When they say, hey, hey, Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? He gives them the Shema. You love God with everything you got? Oh, let me just tell you one more thing, though. And you love your neighbor as much as you love yourself. On this hang the whole law and the prophets. The whole Bible, the whole mirror hangs on that. You look inward and develop this vibrant love relationship with, with your Father who's given you a new hope and a new future, new identity. But you also love other people and you bring them to the mirror. You invite them to the party. And when you do that the way he designed it, then your faith becomes alive. Then your faith is lived out the way God designed your faith to be lived out. Would you guys close your eyes for just a moment? 
I just want to take some time to reflect. I just want to think on just what we talked about this morning. Maybe this morning, God has brought someone to your attention who you need to invite to the party. Maybe God's brought to your attention a family member, a coworker, a friend, a classmate, neighbor, that he wants you to invite to the party. Give him an invitation. My prayer is that you would begin to pray for that person, asking God like the believers of the New Testament in the book of Acts. They keep asking God for boldness. He gives it to them. Lives are changed. Maybe you just need to pray specifically for this person. Or maybe there's three people you could just identify. God would give you boldness to to invite them. Maybe you're just realizing for the first time your identity in Jesus. Should you trust in him? You can be brought into the family. We want that for you. And then for all of us, let's be people who are frequently looking at our identity. Develop that plan. How am I going to regularly be in the scriptures? So wherever you're at this morning, whatever God's doing in your heart, I I just pray that you would just be clear as to what your next step is. Invite somebody or regularly look at your identity or you've received the new identity today by trusting in Jesus turning from your sin and turning to him. And in this moment, you're a new creature. So we'd ask you to communicate that with us. Let me pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for these truths. Thank you that Jesus walked in our shoes and he showed us how to do this thing successfully. Because we fail and we struggle and and yet he was perfect in every way undeserving of the wages of sin, which is death, but he took it in our place. And so, God, I pray that we would be a people who trust in him and would be changed by him and we would receive that new identity. For those who who have never received the new identity in Jesus, I pray that they would just today call upon your name and receive it. Turn from sin and turn to you. Turn from independence from you and total dependence on you today. I do your work in our hearts. Be careful to give you the glory for what you do. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.